With the first pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson from Duke University. And welcome back to the Pelly Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Roger, and as always with me, I got Jonathan Palazzolo and Tyler Nye. Jonathan, how you doing tonight? The, the new papa. How you Absolutely, yeah. man. Uh, Jasper Douglas, born on Wednesday. Tried to get a second middle name, Zion, but Meg wasn't having it. She wasn't having it? <laughs> she wasn't having it. But yeah, it's awesome, man. He's a good kid. Uh, knock on wood, he's been letting us sleep for about three, four hours at a time, which is nice at night. So pretty, pretty, pretty proud dad moment so far. Yeah. And Tyler, what about you? I hear you have a couple of dad moments you probably don't know about, huh, Tyler? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. How you been, Tyler? It's been, it's been a while, man. Uh, you know, busy with school, Getting trying call. not to watch basketball. Oh, yeah. I guess we'll jump right into that. Mm. Um, congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll I mean, definitely I, give uh, them congratulations. Yeah, we yeah, have to. Absolutely I mean, they deserve it and earn it. No, definitely, definitely. It, it's just um, to see AD be validated so shortly after leaving us kind of stings a little bit. Um, it's just one of those things when watching him host up that trophy, you're kind of like, man, what, what, what went wrong down here and what could have went better? I mean, I, I know we could have, would have, could have, should have all day, but... I mean, if you could change one thing that could have possibly resulted in AD winning a championship here, what do you guys think it would be? Yeah, and it's tough to say because you, you can very easily say, well, we were just one LeBron James away from winning a championship. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that, that's we're, a good point. We're just one greatest generational talent the league's probably ever seen from winning a championship. And, you know, he got paired up with a top 10 talent um, in the league. But, I mean, honestly... If you're a small market like we are and looking at Dell Demps, and I hope we don't make the same mistake, but we were just very short-sighted with a lot of our moves. You know, We didn't take the opportunity for Anthony Davis to grow with players, um, and instead we threw our draft picks away and threw a lot of our young prospects away for veteran-type players, and it just didn't pay dividends. On top of that, we had so many damn injuries, dude. It was very difficult. I'm going to counterpoint you. Yeah. Uh, the Lakers during the last seven years before LeBron didn't do any better, and I would safely argue did even worse than us as far as right, building right. any kind of contender, and yet they landed two top 10 players within two years, and it's not because they're the Lakers or whatever. It's, it's because they're L.A. It's because that's where LeBron decided to go, and you know LeBron brought AD there. That is, that's 100% fact, and... Um, and everything went well for them. Like, let's yeah. let's be real. Like, yeah, everything no, went well. and that's that's more of the disturbing part of the whole thing is that that can be validated. Because what does that do for future players? What does that do for Carl Anthony Towns? What does that do for Giannis? You know, what does that do for guys that are going to be you know coming up that are really good players uh, now? What's it do for Zion and John ja Morant? You know, their best buddies are they going to want to team up at some point? Luca, like, you know, but yeah. It, but like I said, I'm not going to say it's luck because you got to give them kudos. They won the fucking championship. They went through a very good Heat team, went through a very good Nuggets team. But 
man, everything just worked out. Like Steph and Clay were hurt this year. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, the- Paul George and and Kawhi were killing it before COVID nineteen, and there they're stuck in a bubble. Two dudes that notoriously love to hit strip clubs up and love the nightlife and now you're asking them to stay indoors for 100 days yeah you know and um say what you want but the lakers as far as like a lot of teams came and you know showed up to the playoffs and we talked about one thing that's what the pelicans didn't do but the lakers were the only team that consistently showed up night after night probably besides the heat and obviously the heat couldn't help their injury issues. injury issues right but they were one of the few teams that seemed to have taken this where they were willing to go all the way no problem right and that's you a, know that's where you have to give them credit right like it's a shitty situation like um but Ka- they handled it extremely well like, and took advantage if you ask me i think Kawhi's is a competitor but was he sad that he was leaving the bubble or disappointed he didn't get to the championship i don't think he was maybe no. not let me ask you this. Um, so has anyone's reputation in the NBA gone through as much of a roller coaster as Jimmy Butler's? I don't know. That's a good question. A really I don't know. Question. LeBron would probably be there, right? Yep. LeBron's been a villain and a hero and a villain and a hero, and he still is, depending on who you ask. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were literally in Philadelphia celebrating when Jimmy Butler went to Miami. And by the end of this series, people were saying Jimmy Butler was by far... The most selfless player. I mean, he he left it all out there, you know? See, I always thought that was crazy because it's one thing to speak your mind. Um, but I, I never got any bad locker room behavior from Jimmy, even back to when, you know, he went out of Chicago. But Chicago was just ran terribly. And, you know, with the whole Minnesota situation, he was obviously calling out, you know, weaker players (laughs) yeah it's it's a weird thing so uh, i think philly did want him but i think philly decided to go a different direction and didn't want to pay him the money that he wanted so that was more of a contractual issue than you know the player itself and you know he found the perfect fit with miami yeah i think that's what it speaks to as well you you leave chicago you leave minnesota you leave philadelphia people are going to start questioning you well that's three teams that didn't want you anymore so yeah. then you start asking, it's got to be Jimmy Butler, right? Well, he's right? not your prototypical $100 million player anyway, right? Like, No, what he brings to the court doesn't seem to be something that we look for in a modern NBA, right? Like, Yeah, he's a 90s, he's a 90s like, NBA player. Can't shoot the three. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, surprisingly was a great playmaker in the playoffs, but hasn't really shown that right has has the opportunity to be a great rebounder but he's just a hard-nosed um type of player that we're that doesn't look to show as much skill throughout the regular season that we've seen from some of the max players of this generation different build man but it it worked in the playoffs for sure yep and you know we like that miami heat team all year Mm -hmm. so we did we've talked about them quite often yeah. And sometimes you just got to go different places to find your fit, you know, yeah. like AD did with uh, LeBron. Because, I mean, you know, going back to that, AD had the best stretch of his playing career in that bubble playoffs. True. You know, maybe he, I don't know, AD was always great in the playoffs, even with us. He was great in the He's playoffs. He's amazing he, with he us. He always stepped it up in the playoffs. Um, the concern was, can he finish the game, take it? Well, he didn't have to. And, you know, yeah. he got LeBron. Um, what I'll say just real quick to end it on the Lakers for me, um, 
I already get the feeling from like Lakers fans and stuff like that. This is this is the kind of this is almost like the karma side of it. Like they're showing our, uh, the receipts and everything like that. Uh, but why are they doing that? Because they're kind of self conscious about their team. I feel like right. Like they know exactly why LeBron and AD came there. They came there for their own legacy. They didn't come to win a title with the Lakers. Not one player on their team was drafted by the Lakers except Kyle Kuzma, right? Maybe Caruso. And Caruso, I think. Yeah. So, like, pretty much all their contributing pieces all just decided, hey, L.A. is the place where we're going to do it. And it just doesn't feel like a, you know, it just doesn't have... Yeah. It's the same kind of feeling Golden State Kevin fans Durant. were having when they were winning with Kevin Durant. The right. rest of the league's like, cool, yeah, y'all won that, but okay. Yeah. And that's what that's what JJ Reddick spoke about on his podcast yeah. when he said the Miami Heat, if they win a championship, will validate everything. I still believe and love about basketball, right? Kind of growing something organically, bringing players in, um, adhering to a culture. Whereas you see with the Lakers, I mean, come on, that's not to say it's hard to say that that's a Laker culture. It's just a LeBron well, what chasing. They, yeah, and what they made it is like they were doing it for Kobe. And while I'm sure they partly were. We have to all be honest, and the actual fact is LeBron's doing it for quote-unquote revenge season. Respect. Which I don't know where the fuck that came from. Like, he's disrespected, and he's not the best player. Whatever. And, you know, AD wanted to win a title. And that that's where, I mean, but at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, are you willing to trade in things like uh, a Laker culture? Are you willing to trade in things like growing team organically? Mm-hmm. To have a championship with players who are just ring chasing. Like, are you willing to do that? Well, they won the title. So they, they won the title. It, so but the thing is, I already see Lakers fans looking at trades for Bradley Beal. So and that Chris says Paul. anything. I saw somebody try to offer like Kuzma <laughs> and Chris Paul. <laughs> it ain't yeah. even been like, what, three days and they're already putting people in Lakers jerseys? Yeah. Enjoying championships. Yeah, it's it, it feels it feels less about the Lakers. They tried so hard to push the Kobe narrative because then you have a Lakers story. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like a Lakers story. It feels like a LeBron story. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what it feels well, like. Well, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, we we knew that's what it was when AD was with us that last season, and AD specifically said he wanted to be MVP. And then he goes to the Lakers, and he's never mentioned he wanted to be MVP once. Right. Did you think LeBron's going to let that happen? Hell he's not no. going to be MVP, yeah. AD now wants to be Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If that doesn't show you AD is like the perfect Robin, nothing does. But I mean, um, listen, respect him. They're the best team in basketball this yeah. year. They got the championship. Um, and I hey. think, dude, and I think even us, you know, they, they'll pull receipts on us. But I, I'm pretty sure when we did our predictions on the podcast, we had Lakers number one. If not, it was two. the Lakers. It was Lakers Clippers one and two yeah, all year. People act like Lakers were underdogs throughout the whole process. I don't think anybody underdog no, everybody, them. At everybody, any everybody, point. pretty much knew they were going to be very good. It was just more or less, were they going to be better than the Clippers? Yeah. Right. Which I mean, the Clippers were never really that great at any point. But honestly, I think the one team me that would have matched up with them was the Bucks. But that's right. a different story. Obviously, they didn't make it. So yeah. I mean, the Bucks. Just another team that got hit extremely hard with the bubble. Yeah. You're talking about a team on a historic pace. This season, we we said this last podcast, but this season would be different with the bubble. 
entirely, I feel like. The playoffs would be totally different. I don't even think the Heat I, make I feel the like, finals. I feel like our season would have ended a little differently. Absolutely. Probably better. We'd yeah. probably make the playoffs. Well, we, like right before the bubble, we were like 11 and 5, 12 and 5. I, I can't remember. Like the month of January, February, we were like 12 and 5 or yeah. something like that. Yeah, but and not to mention we had way more games. We were already in a rhythm. You know, the Zion, looked got, like, Zion looked like he was getting in shape. Yeah, Lonzo was Zion was in averaging like twenty points per game for the month or something yeah, like that. He was hitting crazy from yeah. three. Brandon Ingram was figuring out playing with Zion. Um, but anyway, uh, congrats to the Lakers. So moving on, um, obviously the coaching carousel uh, is coming to an end. Um, Ty Lue to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Daryl Morey. Step down as the GM of the Houston Rockets. Oh, also Dave uh, Yeager is the assistant coach on Philly now. Philly, yep. yep. And then uh, what? Alvin Gentry went to the Kings. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Where did um, uh, Del Demps? He's a Del Demps went to the. Uh, did he go to the Nuggets? No. Uh, he's an assistant with. Um, oh my God. Is it the Bucks? Where no, did, no, no, no. He's in the, the West. He's in the West. Hold on. I'll, I know he's also, Utah. Utah. Oh my God. Utah. Utah. Yeah, 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 I always yeah, get, yeah. I always do that. I always put Utah and Denver in like the same strategy yeah, you did for some reason. Yeah. So he, he obviously found a spot. Um, so the Pelicans are still looking for their coach. David Griffin has supposedly narrowed down his list. Um, last we heard, they were, they were doing an interview with Ty Lue, but he's obviously out the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, Stan Van Gundy, that's a big name being thrown around. Surprising. Um, Right Jamal, now, supposedly there's three or four finalists, and Ty Lue was supposed to be one of those, so you have to think it's three max three. at this point. So, correct me if I'm wrong, Stan Van Gundy, Jamal Mosley, Will Weaver? We don't know who the other two are, but um, uh, what's the uh, what's the fat guy's name that rode LeBron's coattails for forever? I just, I oh, keep Brian, say Mark, Brian, Brian, Brian Windhorse. Yeah. yeah, Wendy. He said, he said Mosley and Will Weaver a couple of times now, um, repeatedly. So, uh, And he definitely seems to have a source or two that has some inside knowledge on that. I have trouble trusting him. Yeah, I, I do too, uh, but he since... has seemed pretty... I, I don't know, from the feeling I get, like I, I listened to his podcast, he actually had... Uh, Mark Spears on. Yeah, see, the people he brings on, I, I enjoy. Yeah, that's he, right. He brought Mark Spears on, and they were talking about Jamal Mosley specifically, and when Horace was like, Hold oh, I, I know something, but I can't say it. He was holding back, yeah. And, uh, and the Pelicans do give information out to reporters, but they make sure people can't share it. Right, because then they just don't give them information ever again. Pelicans, as just anything under Gail... Benson in general uh, pretty much tries to keep it a tight ship. So that's why we don't really know who the leading candidate is right now. But I would say from what it's looking like, Jesse, I would say you're, you're pretty much right. Those three names seem to be most likely the finalist. And who knows, you know, tomorrow they could come out and be like, hey, guys, we just hired Sam Cassell. We'd be like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. so what's interesting, <clears throat> I'm not going to act like I know a lot about um, Jamal Mosley and Will Weaver, besides the fact that they seem to be pretty big analytics guys. Will Weaver seems to be a huge... Um, well, Will Weaver, what's weird with that is we talked about Kenny Atkinson uh, for that, but Will Weaver directly worked under Kenny Atkinson with the Nets. Yeah. Um, and then he's with the Sydney Kings, who... Uh, tell me if I'm mistaken there. That's... Um, 
That's where Gigi works. Yeah, yeah. Gigi plays that. Yeah. Um, it has a very close relationship with Trajan. Uh, Jamal Mosley is the basically the defensive coordinator for, for Dallas. For Dallas. Yeah. But I mean, the interesting thing about Stan Van Gundy is we heard him talk in depth about the Pelicans on the Low Podcast, and he hit him with some stats as if he was doing some serious research on the Pelicans. Like he had mm-hmm. a lot of, and this is after the bubble. So he had, there was no matchup to talk about coming up. There was nothing like that. It was just kind of like an end of the season. Let's talk about some teams. They talked about Memphis. They talked about the Pelicans and he hit him with some stats that, you know, low was even had to sit back and he, say, he blew, Whoa, normally I have away. the, re- normally yeah. I have the research ready. I'm not expecting my guests to have the research ready. So Stan Van Gundy is a, is a, as a coaching candidate is an interesting one, but it was it was nice to see that he knew exactly what the Pelicans needed, where they were strong, where, where they, they were, were weak, yep. and and what they needed to do to get better. But I know Jesse said the same thing. That's exactly what I heard when we interviewed Alvin Gentry. Yeah, all they kept talking about was the charts and the charts and the breakdowns the and yeah and and honestly, I think it's it's very easy to stand from afar and say this is what's wrong with a basketball team. This is what they need to do, but until you look and see what you're working with as far as players go, um, as far as you know your staff, your coaching staff goes. I mean, like I said, it's easy to identify a problem. I I'm just looking for a guy who's going to fix it. Well, so. The way I heard him speak about the situation on that was he recognizes the problems, but he also recognizes success, and he thinks he he was kind of raving about him a little bit. But the the points where he was the points what he was making about the team, I couldn't find any disagreeing with whatsoever. Like Lonzo Ball, for instance, he's like he's such an interesting player because he's a full court player and not a half-court player, which is something we all know with Lonzo. Um, You know, uh, he said when Zion came back, the players believed they were a playoff team, and we all felt like that. Yeah, There was a different energy Zion brought Mm -hmm. to the team. It was undeniable, and he saw that. You know, and he... (laughs) One thing I loved that he said, he's like, uh, their transition defense was (laughs) god-awful. Yeah, just absolutely horrible. And I think that's going to be the key that you see with david griffin is he does want at least a little more emphasis on defense in general but he did specifically mention jeff bizdelic like he might have even had conversations with bizdelic during the season because he said he knows bizdelic told them to stop fouling because they got into too much foul trouble so he has connections already with the pelicans yeah so um I think he's a better coaching candidate than Alvin Gentry is. Well, I mean, his if we just go off of what like a lot of people said against Gentry, which is record, he's got a winning record. So he's got a winning record. He's, he's good. He's, he's the only person to really beat LeBron outside of the finals. Yeah, which is a uh, really huge accomplishment, in my opinion, especially when you look at the team he had. Um, his teams make the playoffs. His teams have made the playoffs. He yep. didn't do great with his last stint in the Pistons, but who has? What has the Pistons done in 15 years with anybody? Right. You know, and his best player was Andre Drummond, not exactly, you know, groundbreaking talent he's working with. And everything I've read from Detroit fans, at least online, so I guess I got to take that with a grain of salt, seems like 
they enjoyed him as a coach but hated him as a GM. Oh yeah, I mean coaches, coach GM has proven time and time again that it does yeah. not work. Uh-huh. It's too much. You get coaches have different relationships with players than GMs do. You so know. that's why that, that's why this hire is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have to have a coach that is on the same page as IGM. I think, and we can talk about this, Jesse, if this still fits. I think we talk about culture setting and holding players accountable and things like that is what's really important of our coach. And, of course, we do want them to know the X's and O's. I think Van Gundy brings all those things, personally. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some people disagree. Uh I thought Ty Lu kind of did that. That's why I guessed him last time. Uh, I was a little close because, I, I mean, I just figured David Griffin would want to bring him back. But Van Gundy, I think, brings that culture. His thing for me, his only question mark really for me is his age. He's 62. Right. You know, he's not going to be the... He's not going to be that... I'm sure people want that new young assistant coach that's going to come in and hopefully build, like, you know a Greg Popovich level like coaches for 20 years type deal. That's not going to be the case with Van Gundy. Yeah, and he is a retread, so I'm going to let Jesse talk about that, I guess, for a little bit why he doesn't like him. But, I mean, there have been retreads that work. You know, we've seen coaches like Terry Stott's success in Portland but didn't have any success before that or too much success. Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle, (laughs) Frank Vogel, I guess. uh, Doc (laughs) Rivers. Like, a lot of these guys are retreads that – might have fluke like failed like flailed out a little bit and they flared out a little bit in their previous job um similar to Stan Van Gundy in Detroit but have found success in new locations so maybe that's a sign of um a, a positive thing that that he would bring to the table even though he is a retread maybe he does have that experience but I know Jesse's not a fan so it's not that I'm not a fan right um so a lot of people a lot of people are like oh um this is a home run hire for the Pelicans because, you know, he's 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 up to date on on player issues and, and and he'll be able to connect with the players. Nobody else will can. And it's just like, I I understand that, but we're, we're trying to build a culture here, right? And I know JJ Redick has stated that you know Stan he he directly attributes Stan Van Gundy to him knowing and understanding how to be an NBA player night in and night out. But my issue is, if we think Zion's here long term, if we're being realistic, we're going to be looking for a coach in in five, six more years, mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing this all over again. Whether it's because he's just too old or it it, it doesn't work, and I, I don't know. I feel like if we could have got a young like a young hire who who is innovative. Could have came in and set the tone for these got for these players and and kind of grown with the team that's growing. I feel like that would have worked out a little bit better for us. Now, if Stan Van Gundy is the hire, like I'm not going to be super depressed. Um, I I just don't see a scenario where it's going to translate into a championship. I think it's more or less just going to be he's going to come in, he's going to yell a lot, and I think I think we're going to like him as a coach um, on the sidelines. Like I think he'll be. A coach that the fans will respect, but I just don't know how long he's going to be here. So I don't know, like, because yeah, I mean, that's would be my pretty much one negative with him too. But I don't know if that's necessarily like that big of a deal if he does come in and sets a culture. You know, that's something that if you talk on average to NBA players and how, you know, they work with teams and stuff like that, it takes a couple of years to do. 
it doesn't take a decade if it if it does it it's uh you probably had to change some things along yeah. the way yeah. but five or six you know seven eight years from now it's going to be a different team regardless you might have zion and brandon ingram there still but the chances mm-hmm. of that you know who knows like so really you do want a person who's going to come in and make the strongest dent into making players accountable, holding culture, building the right mindset of what the team is. And, you know, if he brings in strong assistant coaches, let's say he brings in Will Weaver as an assistant mm-hmm. coach, which is could be a possibility, right? And then he hands the reins over to Will Weaver, you know, when he's ready to go on his way and maybe he's had success, successful runs or not. Or maybe it's like a L.A. Clippers situa- situation where, you know, they decide to go with the assistant coach because they feel it's that time. Um, that can still happen. Yeah. So, the I'm so I'm, I'm get so nervous about hiring like the hot, up and coming. That's young. A, it, coach. it can be risky. Yeah, it can be risky because like for every I don't know for every Nick Nurse that you have, you have like a Fred Hoiberg who was supposed to be a home run hire for the Bulls and it didn't work. Or you have I remember back in the day when Brian Shaw was like the the hottest yeah. name on the market I and do. you you. You couldn't miss with this dude, right? Mm-hmm. He gets to the Nuggets and he lasts two seasons. Like, it's a flare-out. And then, then the Nuggets organization takes three or four years to kind of find their guy in Mike Malone. But that's what I, that's what I get nervous about when I hear when I hear people saying, yeah, I want, Mike Malone's a good example. Mike Malone, yeah. He, he did some things in Sacramento, didn't work out. He Now he's in Denver and he's doing great. But that's, that's what I get nervous about because I fall, I fall into that too. Like, I want to build something organically. I want to hire the next up and coming coach to grow with these players instead of steering them in the right direction, maybe grow with them and then grow together. And I love that concept and I love that idea. But if that doesn't work, you're looking at Fred Hoiberg and Brian Shaw type of failures, which is, is very, makes me very nervous. And this coaching hire will probably be the one that's going to determine what Zion's future is what the future of this team and, looks like. And that's like my biggest fear, right? When we talk about this hire is when, when we talk about this hire, this is the turning point that, that pretty much dictates whether Zion Williamson is going to be in a Pelicans uniform for the next five to 10 years. Probably. So that's like my biggest, that's like the biggest thing I'm scared of. So it, it, it's just, I don't, I don't know which way it can go. Um, I'm, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Like, I, I don't know if, who the best candidate is. I mean, obviously a lot of people are advocating for Stan Van Gundy and, and if the players like him and, and, and the, they show up for him every night, then, you know, prove me wrong. I'm, I'm, I always say this, whatever, whenever I didn't like, didn't, like basically push back on something, I hope I'm proved wrong. Yeah. Like I, I honestly do. Um, I just feel like, I don't know. It just feels like Alvin Gentry all over again. And, and I hope it's not, um, I hope he, he can, he can come in and hopefully he can set the tone for this team I just feel like as lazily as we came out in the bubble, whatever caused that, there needs to be a complete 360. Yeah, I and that's why I will that's why I like Van Gundy. So I will say this. If you're looking to build culture, I don't think you can also look to build towards a certain player. Like I think you gotta kinda choose that. Cause here's the difference that I can tell you right now that I think with Gentry and Van Gundy. When Gentry was hired, it was who's the coach that can maximize AD, right? Is that not correct? That was the charts thing. It was mm-hmm. like, this is how we can better 
utilize ad it wasn't about you know what you can bring to the team i think griffin is looking for hey regardless of zion's here or not or lonzo or brandon ingram are you going to believe in this team like are you going to come in and like what is the mindset what are the work habits what what am i going to see out of practices what am i going to see out of your staff what you know it's going to be those kind of things so i don't think you can do go that direction and then be like oh yeah and you gotta we gotta cater and make sure this person's perfect for zion because at the end of the day at some point zion will no longer be a pelican maybe that's 20 years from now maybe that's five you have to get the organization to be built for when that does happen to have sustainability such as the spurs or celtics or right you know and i love that you said that because if you hire a guy and the main focus is get the most out of zion what happens when Zion leaves? Look at Anthony Davis, right? We hired Alvin Gentry to get the most out of Anthony Davis. Mission fucking accomplished. Am I right? I mean, Anthony Davis scored, like, soared into, like, a top 10, top 5 argument mm-hmm. as a player. So, thank you, Alvin Gentry. Mission accomplished. But look at the habits of our team now. Look at the habits that we fell into every single year. Slow start, sloppy defense, bad turnovers, fixing and correcting those things is more important with this hire to me than somebody saying, yeah, let's get the most out of Zion. Cause Zion's going to produce. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. Setting a coach that where you understand as a player, if you sign with this team, you're like, okay, I'm gonna have to, I'm actually have to focus on defense this right. season. Yeah. You know, cause that, that, that definitely wasn't our reputation. No. You know, um, as Stan Van Gundy knows. And I know it's not that simple with the players. You got young players who can't, comprehend everything they need to do on like help defense rotation stuff like that but um where's the coach that's going to bring in that professional mindset because alvin gentry was the cool coach he connected with the players but where's the one that makes them professionals because you know uh, like if you look at the best coaches in the game like pop and stuff like that they could be hard asses but they made you a professional player antonio daniels i think i said this before said it himself you know He's like, I didn't like what Pop told me when I was there, but I realized later in my career that what he told me made me the player I was. Yeah. So if if Griffin and Langdon weren't here, would that make you guys kind of a little more worried about hiring Van Gundy? Uh, Yeah. Because mm. I don't know if it would be that continuous mindset from the top to the bottom, you know? I feel like Griffin's trying to get the guy who's going to align with their line of thinking, which, I mean, is essentially that culture-setting style. I mean, yeah, if that means that Van Gundy was the GM as well, then fucking right, I'd be a little bit more worried. Okay. But uh, I don't know. It seems like Griffin has an idea and a vision in mind, uh, what he wants, and this coaching hire is going to reflect that vision, and we're going to learn a lot about his we, overall vision for the team when the coaching hire. Can we say real quick that Griffin was like, this is the most attractive job in the NBA. He was wrong. But he didn't, granted, he didn't, he didn't know, know that the, at the time we did it, 76ers weren't going to have a coach. And the Clippers, and the Clippers, Clippers weren't going to have Rockets. a coach. The Rockets weren't going to have. He probably knew the Rockets weren't going to have a coach. I think everybody knew that was going. Yeah. But that job um, isn't, as, isn't as attractive no, as No, anybody... I'm not even going to say it, but... Uh, yeah, let's just stay away from that. <laughs> the, the, the Rockets job is nowhere near as attractive as the Pelicans, and if you thought otherwise, you're crazy. Long story short. Yeah, agreed. No, but, but I mean, 
it doesn't seem to be as attractive of a job in the short term compared <laughs> to the Clippers. Right, I mean, no, you I would mean, have to, you would have to want to go to the Rockets, like they got rid of Daryl Morey. You'd have to go wanting more power or like long sustainability. So you sign them to a five-year huge deal. Of course, somebody might want to go to the Rockets, but they got a cheap-ass owner anyway. Um, yeah, I just, but I mean, in terms of like being the most attractive job available, that's why that's why the Doc Rivers. I know a lot of people didn't. He seems so polarizing down here, right? Like some people hated him, some people loved him. That's why well, Doc, he was the definition of retread, right? Right, but I mean, yeah. Doc Rivers to me, if he would have chose the Pelicans, and we, we spoke about this, if he would have chosen the Pelicans because he supposedly sat down and had a meeting mm-hmm. over Philadelphia, and I'm sure the Houston Rockets definitely wanted him, right? So over Houston, over Philadelphia, if he chose the New Orleans Pelicans, that means that he thinks the Pelicans are going to be really good, really quickly, and that was just some type of that's that's the confirmation that's the affirmation that i need right now from the pelicans um after all the losses we took this past season and and the lack of accomplishments that we've that we've had this past season yeah so that's the next thing we get to but that's that's a great point because i'm lou feels the same way obviously he's going to go with a contender already with the clippers 100 and i'm sure they both like what they saw out of the pelicans with zion and ingram they got the tools there but both are coaches that are not like well, because Lou is the highly coveted coach, so he can pick his choose, but Doc Rivers is getting up there. He doesn't want to sit there and be in this rebuilding process. He, he wants to compete right now. And see, I felt like I felt that about Doc Rivers. I didn't really feel that for Ty Lue for some reason. No, yeah. He yeah. he he pretty much, Ty, from what I got, Ty Lue was going to be able to pick. I mean, if Philly yeah. wouldn't, if Doc Rivers doesn't get fired, he can get the Philly job if he wants to. He can get the Clippers job. Obviously, that's yeah. the one he got. So. Yeah. He was he could he could pick and nobody can blame him for picking the Clippers, especially he's already there. I mean, he's got he's one of the most talented. The team. Yeah, he he's knows got the, the most team. talented team. Yep. That's a no brainer. Yeah, can't can't um, fall tie for that one. No, not at all. But the interesting question is, looking at the coaches we're looking at right now, are the Pelicans looking to start competing now, or are they still in the middle of that rebuilding process? So that's an interesting question, too. That's why I said we're going to learn a lot about what Gentry and Langdon feel about this team with the coaching hire. You said Gentry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what uh, Griffin, Griffin and Langdon think about this team. Um, and it, I, I even heard, or I even read an article that said if they hire one of these younger dudes, like Jamal Mosley or Will Weaver, that Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick higher probability to be traded. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If he hires Stan Van Gundy, possibly keeping those players around, which is an interesting take. Yeah, I don't. I think that's. I think that's right because I think if you if you have like Will Weaver, Jamal Mosley come in, it's one of those things where you got a coach who is trying to earn respect, and it might be a little bit easier garnered from like uh from the from the younger guys. But from like JJ's Reddick and from JJ Reddick and, and Drew Holiday's standpoint, it's it's more or less like I don't think he'd have a problem with Drew getting your respect. My deal, my deal with this, and y'all can totally correct me. I hear this so much from the Pelicans fan base, and it's one of the few times I like totally disagree one hundred percent when people say Drew just doesn't fit our timeline. And in my mind, I'm like. What is like? Is our timeline just to be mediocre until we grow? I'm trying to figure out what they mean by that. So, like, Drew is a great player that I would want on a team that's young and developing, yeah, or ready to contend right now. Like, 
it's hard for me to say that he just doesn't fit our timeline. What What do you mean? Like, what is the negatives of having Drew on our team for the next two or three years? Like, I don't, no, I don't that, see that. I don't see that negative aspect of having him on a young team. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with the timeline uh, piece. What I will say with Drew, the key is always going to be: is he willing to sign an extension with this team? Right. But let's just say he is. Um, yeah. Well, if he is, I keep him. Uh, like in my mind, people know, are saying. People are saying. But and I understand the logic behind it. Well, listen, we're not going to compete right now. Drew would be better on a competitor. So let's trade him. Let's get some younger picks. So let's get some younger players. Let's put him on his team. But in my mind, Drew outweighs any almost other anything right that now. we're going to return that we're going to return for him, unless it's mm-hmm. a guaranteed young stud. Well. Here's a good here's a good point with why you could maybe see that point of the argument with Drew. I I've had my issues with Drew offensively as far as consistency, but as far as a leader defensively, you know, I was really proud of the way he ended with the bubble, unlike most of the team. Right, hundred percent. Um, but the usage is an issue because he, and this comes kind of back to with Lonzo Ball. You need a guard that can attack into the paint, which Drew can do. But Drew doesn't get fouls. He does not Pretty at much all. the same as Lonzo. And he drives, you know, 10 times a game to the basket. Um, Drew is like, I think he was third in the team in shots, which should be right behind Ingram and, you know, if Zion was on the floor. Right. I don't, I don't know if that can necessarily work, that many shots being distributed that many ways. It really needs to become offensively Zion and Ingram's team. Yeah. And then if... You know, we want Lonzo to develop. You know, he needs to get his fair share of shots, too, if Lonzo stays. So it's just kind of interesting. I can kind of see that point because really as far as defensive drop-off goes, if you plugged in like maybe Josh Hart or something like that right there, it's definitely a drop-off. But is it that tremendous of a drop-off? And you're actually giving these players to develop. So I can kind of see where they're coming from when they say that argument. But if you're looking to compete and you bring in a guy like Stan Van Gundy to go back to the original point... If Drew is willing to sign an extension, you keep him. If you get blown away with a trade offer, you look at that trade offer, and if you're not going to get anything better, he's not re-signing the extension, uh, you know, can't work out the money figures, then, yeah, that's when you start looking at trading him. So it really comes yeah. down to what kind of what Drew wants to do, to be honest. Yeah, and that's right. I think if he wants to be here, he he should be here. Um but just like in, in my mind, when we're talking about we're a young development team, let's not rush it. In my mind, we have Brandon Ingram, who's going to be on his second contract. Mm-hmm. Lonzo Ball, who's a year away from his second contract. Yep. Um, Josh Hart, who's a year away from his second contract. We have some pretty big pieces that are now what I would call veteran players. I mean, they're not older players, but they're veteran players in the league. Mm-hmm. Like sure. at some point you have young to, vets. I yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say. I don't want to it. Um, but you have to start expecting results from players that are twenty four, right? Like you, you're gonna have to start expecting some results from players that are twenty three, twenty four. Let's, let's let's see what Jesse's got to say. Well, I I think this is a good transition period to to talk about the players on this team who are free agents. Yeah, and which ones are going to be here? So. I mean, I'll throw an easy one, out, guys. Uh, easy one out there. I mean, Brandon Ingram, restricted free agent, right? He's he's gonna get a max. He's yeah, get a max he's deal from getting us. the midnight as soon as as soon as the midnight max. Yeah, for sure. And I think Windhorse kind of 
Wendy kind of uh, hinted that he yeah. knows that that's going to happen. Yeah. And see, here's the thing with Windhorse too, real quick. I say this all the time, but David Griffin's got tight connections with ESPN. So if yeah. you hear from ESPN, most likely there's some legitness right, to right. it. So Brandon Ingram Max, as soon as it, as soon as they allow it. So that was an easy one. This one's a little tougher. Derek Favors. Boy, both of you look like I just fucking. I'm gonna be honest. I don't care what else is out there. If it's Derek Favors from the bubble, you can take that player and put him, you know, somewhere else. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I don't want that Derek Favors on my team. There. Here's my only problem with Derek Favors. I think he's a smart basketball player. It. I, nobody's scared of him at the rim. He's not a rim protector. He's not a rim protector. He's not. And he, it kind of goes back to you. And, and I don't know if it's necessarily his fault, but. I mean, it goes back to what we're talking about, too. What, what do we see in this team, right? Like, what is this team? Is yeah. this team a young, emerging? Like, so many Pelicans fans out there just think we're a young team that needs to develop and eventually we'd be good. I tend to disagree with that. But if we're a young, developing team, then you want to give some of these younger players Derek Favors minutes. Now, if Derek Fever, if Derek, I call him Fevers just now. Uh, if Derek <laughs> Fevers isn't, a, <laughs> if he isn't like the core defensive piece, like we made him out to be last season, and he's a twenty to twenty-five minute player, and he comes back in shape and ready to go, because understandably, like his mom died, you know, the bubble probably didn't really want to be there. A, a lot of understandable things. Then I can see at him coming back for the right price. But if I get bubbled Derek Favors and he's considered the core defensive piece and I have him out there 30 minutes a night, no thanks. I don't want him back. Bold prediction, too. I think he signs with Utah again. He looks really? like he wants to. Yeah. yeah. I think he signs with Utah again. Uh, I don't they know. Really, they miss him at backup center. So the only thing, the only way that happens is if Rudy Gobert leaves, which is going to be really interesting for Utah because he's <laughs> definitely looking for the Supermax. Yeah. It's going to be tough to get in the Supermax. But, exactly. And if I'm Utah, I don't know if I can pass that up. Uh, well, tough. if they sign him to the Supermax, I doubt they're going to invest that much money into uh, a backup center. Yeah. I mean, what's his value, though? That's I what I'm saying. Think, I still got to be pretty low after last season. No, I don't think it's that low. I don't think people are going to take the bubble into Yeah, they're not going to take the bubble. No, I'm just saying a traditional center like him, what's his value? Well, he was a traditional center for us because we didn't have one, right? But what about other teams that do or, you know, uh, I don't know. It's a good question what his value is. I don't, I don't know. know. I feel like mid I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely asking. I don't know what yeah. people are ready to pay for him. He's definitely going to get less than he got before. Right, yeah. We paid him a lot. He was like the third highest paid player this last season on our team. I would guess it's on the team. I don't know. That's going to be interesting to look at. Listen, I think Griffin talks extremely highly of him. I, I can't see him being back on the team. Okay. I don't yeah. see it. I, so here's a question for y'all with that one real quick in mind. Is Zion <laughs> going more towards center or small forward wing? Zion? Like, yeah. Well, he, he Obviously, he's going to mostly play you know, at the four at power forward, and he dominated in the big. But if he's expanding his game – like most rookies do, which way does he expand? Does he play more out on the wing or does he play more inside? Jesus Christ, that's such a good... Do you know you know why I love this question? Because it shows you what Zion can be. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm like saying. Like he's yeah. so he, versatile. We Nobody ever really talks about that You're much, right. but his playmaking skills were like insane. Dude, if you're asking me what can a, 
Where does Zion belong? He, he's a four right now. He plays the four. But can he transition to the three or five? The fact that we're asking that question just shows you the talent that we're sitting on, right? Mm-hmm. To answer your question this next season, I could see him more at like the three. Okay, because I can see him more at the five, and that's why I'm saying, like, you know, favors playing less minutes, maybe. Yeah, I see him long-term long term being definitely a small ball five. I think I see him long-term with a Giannis, like, if he peeks out to his ceiling like he can with the, a Giannis-type role. Just yeah. a little bit of everything. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see, right? Because Giannis doesn't play five too much, but they have no, a lot of they have a lot of small you know, five lineups. Yeah, he'll defend inside, rebound, yeah, and all that. But I think this season, you probably see him be more of a wing type player than a small. I don't know. We didn't play him too much either way. It's just, it's. I think. It's just, I think it's more of those things you just have to wait to see. Yeah. Um, uh, who the team brings in during free agency? Um, is Jackson Hayes ready to take on more minutes? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Depends. Like if you see Jackson Hayes it's, out there, it's just so weird because everybody already has Zion as this type of player. But dude, when does a rookie ever play Never. like like a like a All Star MVP caliber player? When is their rookie season ever really right. projecting their actual career? I mean, you can look at Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was what 14. a good mid range yeah. jump shot, fourteen and ten. Yeah. Like Damian Lillard's probably a good one. Donovan Mitchell might be a good but one. But I, I, like I like that question about Zion because everybody already has him chalked up as a small ball five, right? Yeah. Like yeah. everybody has, nobody talks about him going in the opposite direction. Yeah. And I just, I see his playmaking skills, his speed, his explosiveness. And it's just like, I don't know if I'd limit him at being a five. Yeah. I mean, maybe he can just play. Almost every this article. Is, we are in the era of position as basketball. He can really do whatever. So almost every, like, Pelicans blog or podcast 100% has his future as a small ball five well it's either that or they want him and you know one of the things where people want to get rid of favors it's get a get a brook lopez type center next to him that can you know spread the floor and shoot the three i actually think like a more aggressive center might work well with zion i don't know it's but it's an interesting question what's the next free agent the next free agent is Frank Jackson. He's gone. No, see ya. He's gone. Yeah. I have a prediction for him, too. I think he goes to the Lakers. Okay. KCP's opted out. I think they need a backup guard. I think he goes to the Lakers. He has a brand, uh, Rare Roses, that he wants to promote. His his partner, Trey Rose, actually played. I told y'all this. He plays in the basketball league that I run. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Frank's super nice. Got a chance to talk to him. He... He's not gonna stay in New Orleans. I just uh, he wasn't consistent enough here. He yeah. didn't show I, enough to get paid. I think um, overall, you you have Naw sitting there, so they're probably just gonna say, "All right, well, look, we're we're getting the same production out of him last year, so we'll go ahead and cut you know Frank loose and then just roll with Naw and see what happens." Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about the we'll talk about Naw after the free agency stuff. Yeah, because yeah, okay. there, there was a big argument in our group chat. <laughs> um, then we got Etwan. I would love to keep Etwan, yeah. but I think at this stage in Etwan's career, he is going to end up on a team like the Clippers or LA. Also, he's probably a luxury for us with the way we currently have our lineups, right? 
more of a luxury. Like he just never really fits with our teams. Any I, I just felt like when he was on the, I just felt like when he was on the court and he was on this season for us, it made a huge difference. Well, yeah, and that's because of the type of professional he is, which is one of the reasons it would be nice to keep him if we can, because he shows you, you know. What did Drew Holiday said? He said, "When Etwan plays, we win." Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just to me, he's just when his whole time here. I was, I thought overall it was a good. He was the one sign, one of the signings that Dell actually made a good signing on in yeah. general. Because he was a big contributor to us pretty much every year. But, I mean, he's played small forward. He's played off the bench. He started at shooting guard. But it just never seemed like he's really fit a spot. I would love to keep him. Yeah, like I said, I would love to keep That's him. That's one guy. I would love to keep just, him. As one. But I then again, he may be thinking like Tyler, like right? Like, I've never really had a spot on this team where, where I was – that was it. That's where I was. That's I knew my identity. It's always been, hey, let's just throw this guy into a situation and hopefully he survives. And sometimes he has and sometimes he hasn't. So I think if there's an opportunity for him to go somewhere to to kind of have like a more solidified role, he'll probably I go think there. I think David Griffin, especially with the way Lonzo playing now, is definitely gonna look for a more of more of a playmaking guard. We've had a lot of you know, just straight up shooting guards with this team, probably just too many. And, you know, you already got Drew Holiday there. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker might need to move over there because he didn't really look like he could be, you know, that backup point guard for the team. He might be better off ball. And then you got DD in the wings. Yeah, I mean, Lonzo, uh, Lonzo, Drew, Noah, I guess Josh Hart. Can I just think he's going to take... Money that Etwan's got and give it to a guard who can actually, you know, and Lonzo has injury history as well as a guard who can come in and yeah. actually run, you know, a half court offense. Yeah. The next is Jaleel. I just uh, think no. he's gone, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jaleel's nice. I'm sure Stan Van Gundy would love him. <laughs> yeah, she's posed up, <laughs> posed up but, every play. Uh, yeah. <laughs> man, no, he, he's, I mean, he he's just in the wrong. He doesn't fit this team. I can't see him fitting this team too. I mean, everything he does well. He's Jaleel. I honestly think if you start Jaleel, you probably can get him to average sixteen points a game, right? Fifteen, sixteen points a game. Yeah. But he's just gonna clog up the center the entire time. Yeah, but the problem with him is, you know, rebounding defense, and that's always right. been the issue. And he's not him. rebounding. And he's not defending. What this team needs is rebounding and defense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quite. We were pulling our hair out quite often this the, season the, the, with the offensive rebounding yeah. that we allowed. Yeah, yeah, and the final player is going to be um, old Kenny Hustle. I just think he's a luxury at this point too. He's a restricted he's... free agent, so I mean, it just depends on what he does. I know Drew tried to get him early in the season, tried to like kind of pump him for that potential payday, but his consistency shooting the ball was horrendous. You know, like uh, you're not going to get paid that much if you can't shoot in this league. Yeah. So if he's willing to take a, a cheaper deal. I'd bring him back just because, you know, if you're looking at ideally what he is on a team, your eighth, your ninth player, tenth player, he's shown playmaking, um, passing, defense. He's willing to get in there and rebound. He just can't give you shooting, which is, you know, not everybody's going to be able to. So if he's on a cheaper deal, I'd bring him back. That's the type of dude you want to practice against too, right? Good defender. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hard worker. Yeah. I don't know, I'm 50-50 on him. So let's go back to what we were previously talking about. No. Okay, so 
Nah is like, for me, right? I, I look at this guy and I know everybody else in this group is hyped on him. But I don't know if he is going to be a contributor for this team. The well, way let's let's preface is. this. Why are we bringing this up? What did we see? An Instagram video. Well, it was a full YouTube oh, video. Well, a YouTube video and Instagram video. Him working with and, uh, Dinwiddie. So yeah. basically, he's working with Dinwiddie. And Jonathan sends out the video. And he's like, yo, I'm so stoked for this dude next year. And then I watched the video. And I was like, dude, this dude is going to struggle all over again. And everyone's like, well, what do you see? And, and when I just look at this video, like he's just playing against a bunch of dudes who are all his size. He still doesn't have elite speed to create directly off the dribble. Everything he shoots is behind a screen. And I think in a real NBA game, getting closed out on, he's not going to go 19 of 20, you know, from shooting. I I don't know. I, I, I just need to see more of him. And as right now, I'm just not a believer. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he comes in and fucking shuts my mouth. But as of right now, I I just don't know if he if he has that NBA quality speed that you're gonna need as a guard to beat your man off the dribble and get to the rim. And I don't know if I, I just don't think he's gonna be that type of guy who you can just trust to just jack up shots and hit him. Like I, I, he's not Steph Curry. Like let's be realistic. So and and all honesty, he's gonna be some type of like combo guard you bring off the bench that. I, th- I think he can be really good defensively. I think as far as his length goes, he's really long. I think he can disrupt passing lanes. And maybe on a break, he can hit threes. Um, but I just don't know if he's going to be the guy that I've heard people say, like, he's going to be our starting guard in, in, in a couple of years. I, I don't I don't see that at all. At all. You done? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is you finished or oh, is you done? Hold on, Jonathan. Right. Give him his piece. So I saw the video, and what I saw was C.J. McCollum. And what I mean by that is C.J. McCollum is not fast at all. His shot is lights out, and Nas' shot was lights out. And it was against Dinwiddie, a pretty decent defender. In a um, scrimmage. In a scrimmage. I'm just saying I saw elements of CJ McCollum and I know it was a scrimmage and I know it was a full court scrimmage and I know it was against two, three NBA players and a, and a bunch of college players, but I saw a different release than this last year. It was way quicker. So he's working on his release and I saw him do something that we begged Lonzo ball to do all year. And that was create off a of pick and roll. And we just did not see that from Lonzo ball this entire year. So that's why I got so excited, man. I was watching Noah, and he's working, um, you know, with some some serious trainers right now. And I know it's hard to get hyped up off of videos in the off season, even though that's all we have to go off of right now. But seeing him in half court sets, run the pick and roll extremely well, create space off the pick and roll, knock down three pointer after three pointer after three pointer, and then and then uh, make some really nice passes. Just seeing that live action when I'm begging for Pelicans content was nice. Which might be the last time I share anything with Jesse, but anyway, it was um, it was just nice to see. So, does he look slow? Hell yeah, he's not Damian Lillard out there. He's not Russell Westbrook. Like he doesn't have that foot speed at all, but he does have length. He looks crafty with the ball in his hands. He used the pick and roll right, and his shot is way quicker than I was expecting it to be. So, 
I guess Tyler's going to be the the medium in this situation. He usually is. Uh, <laughs> wow, he's usually okay. the voice of reason. Um, I mean, what I would say is what I looked at is my problem with Nall this season was not his speed. And, I, you know, in a year where I think looking back at it, Gentry might have known this would have been a season he's playing for his job. Gentry had Nall win the job coming into the season over Frank Jackson. Now, maybe that was because they wanted to play, you know, Naw because of his pick, which, by the way, I want to put this in perspective for you real quick, Jesse. Let's say we didn't pick Zion or Jax, and we just picked Naw at seven. It was 17, right? Yep. How would you feel about him then? Same? Would you want to believe in him a little more? You'd have to. I'd have, I'd have yeah, to. It's all about right. perspective because, like, I feel like a lot of people look at Naw and this team and, like, you know, because we got Zion, we look at Naw as, like, a second-round pick or something that, oh, if he just doesn't work out. This dude was first-round talent right outside of the lottery. They're going to still invest in him. And I think that he showed the skill beforehand that he's on there. I think where he struggles is as a lead guard. Yeah. I think he needs to look at – he has the length. I, I think he just needs to honestly look at playing, you know, at the two for right now. But if he can, he, I mean, he's he's still a rookie. You know, he made mistakes and stuff like that. That's going to happen as a rookie. Nobody's going to be like Zion and come in and light the league up immediately. Most players don't. So, I mean, if he can run the pick and roll successful, he, he's, he seems to have the capability. He's a left-hander. Um, which is going to give him an advantage in basketball um, as far as his shot making and, you know, what he can do as far as passing lanes and stuff like that. He has decent ball vision. He just made horrible, horrible, horrible decisions, especially in the bubble. Yeah. But uh, I love his defensive intensity. I didn't really have that big of a problem with speed. And I don't, I don't think speed is, like, super important Dude, depending but if you can't, on if the you play can't style. ever beat your defender, you use a pick. Yeah, and he's just gonna shoot over it every time. If they go, I mean, if you look at it, technically Brandon Ingram's a slow player. Is that a problem for him? No, but I think Brandon Ingram possesses way more elite skills. Well, okay, so what? Like, will he outrun people in a race? But I think it's kind of. I think it's gonna kind of be relative because. It's really going to be a kind of a, uh, his handling skills. He would be calling picks, but how many ISO situations is not going to be in this upcoming season? Zero. To where he's got to beat somebody off the dribble. Very true. Yeah. You know, and like maybe you put him in some cutter situations. I think he could still beat his man. I just saw a player. It looked like the game was a lot slower for him. It may be, it, like I said, it may be. I a wouldn't lot take anything off now. To to Jesse's point, I wouldn't take anything off an Instagram video. It's good yeah. to see that he's getting in the work with other, you know, with a player who's a proven professional and good at like a similar type role as what Naw probably would be. Right. Um, but I don't Do you, know if I'd give up on him for sure. Yeah, I'm not saying give up on him. I'm I'm just until he proves me wrong. Until he until he proves otherwise, I'm just kind of like. And, and you know what it is? I think it was just because of the summer league and preseason. Yeah, I really thought we were gonna get somebody who was gonna be instant money. Like come he in. He shows he didn't make great decisions, but he shows like an instinct, like a, a game instinct that I didn't. See. That's what impressed me about him from summer league. Like right, the right. steals and stuff he was getting and stuff nobody else was doing. Right, and, and and that's why I'm more. I think I think I'm more excited for him as as 
as a defender than I am offensively. Oh, I mean, he was defending great in the bubble, but you know how much of that was just uh, him coming in and trying to make the most of his time. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's It'll be interesting to see what his place is on the team. Are they going to try to put him as league guard? I think that's going to depend on the coach too. What's the coach see him as? The coach is going to have input on that yeah. for sure. Um, just one more thing with the NAW situation before we move on to the draft. As far as NAW goes, do you guys feel like he avoids contact when driving to the rim? This past year? Um, because like a lot of times I see him do this when he's going to the rim, he'll throw up like this, this hook layup that mm. instead of just driving straight to the rim. About. And and I feel like we already have that with Lonzo, right? Like a guy who's well, we already to had go. that with Drew, kind of. Yeah, we, we like have Drew three, doesn't get much like we contact. have three guards who are just like, just not too physical as far as as far as drawing contact that's, and getting into the lane. You know, that's another thing why I don't think they're gonna get Etwan more. They need a guard. They need a guard who attacks, no matter what. That should be. I think uh, ESPN put our priorities as like wing depth and something else priority. I feel like almost number two behind whatever we're doing at the big is an attacking guard. Yeah. Yeah, and I think in, uh, Stan Van Gundy made an amazing point about this. When Zion got input into the lineup, you now had B.I. and you now had Zion attacking and getting free throws. Yeah. And it worked not only wonders for our offense efficiency, it worked wonders for our defense. Could you imagine if you had one more? Right, so Zion's going to attack at free throws. Bi has shown he's going to attack and get free throws. We need one more dude. We need our guard to do that. Yeah. Does Lonzo step up and do that? No. Does Drew step up and do that? No. So now you're asking yourself, who's our other guards on the team? And you you can say no for these two players because just going off their past seasons, uh, especially Drew, who's been in the league for ten years, has never been a right. Has never been no. a guy to never get to gone the line. to the line. And right. Yeah. Lonzo hasn't shown us anything close now. If they proved us wrong this season, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be happy. Right. But we only have their body of work to go off of, though. Yeah, so. Naw. Naw potentially. Could. It's interesting because I, how much is Naw doing that because of you know who he's playing behind? Wait, did know. we put Naw in a position to do that this past year? And the answer is like not really. Yeah. No. You know, so like even Frank Jackson, who would look Frank Jackson was probably our only real got inside and drives because like Eton Moore could still get fouled and stuff but dude as soon as he gets in the lane he's looking for that floater floater, floater yeah uh so it's a it's a interesting question for sure. do, i mean do we do we try to go for that segue into the draft you know yeah and and that's Great pretty much yeah the next point um final point for the night we're obviously going into the nba draft is there somebody you guys see? I know a lot of teams are looking to trade out of the top five. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a rumor going around. Is there somebody you guys feel you want to trade up for, or are you okay picking where we're at and just getting the best guy available or the best for team needs? Dude, I have no idea at this point. I, I keep flip-flopping, man. I'll, I'll send you guys a text message like, listen, Jane, we need Wiseman. We, we don't have a center. He's the next big man up. Let's let's trade up for him, uh, and then the next the next text message I'll send y'all is, or Tyler will send out in a group is, there's nobody good in this draft, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so like it's so t- difficult, and you're hearing all these rumors go around that the teams at the top are looking to trade back, mm-hmm. right? They're not really 
set on these I players. It's just that top talent, you know, Anthony Edwards. There's uh, no Danny like it remind, Yeah, I don't think any of them really jump out at the screen like John ja and Zion. It dude. reminds me of that Victor Oladipo draft where like yeah. there were just nobody at the top where people were like definitively saying this is the number one guy, this is the number two guy. Yep. Exactly. So now you just you're taking flyers on players now. That's, that's a real tough spot for GMs too because, you know, if GMs can find the value, but let's say they do like David Griffin did and pick some player who turns into an Anthony absolute Bennett, bust, yeah. it will literally cost them their job. Yeah. Um, well, here's the deal. that This can be a good thing because that means if we did like a player, this could be the draft to go get them, mm-hmm. right? Because there are teams willing to trade out. Um, so that's the good side of things. The bad side of thing is the, the disparity between how good these players are and how they're being evaluated. There's like a huge disparity between the positives and negatives. So mm-hmm. I don't, I can't definitively say anything. So, I will say if we come out of this draft with a, a shooter, I'll be extremely happy. So here's a funny thing to, to go off of that. Um, where we're picking at is historically, at least for the past 10 years, and we discussed this off podcast, is a unbelievably great spot. To you got be some names? Um, as far as like who's been drafted in the past. 13th, right? No, well, not at 13. Exactly. I'd have to look it up, but just some names that were in that range is Giannis, Kawhi, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Tyler Hero, Clay Thompson, you know, all in that 11 to 15, 16 range. And, you know, we're sitting smack right there at 13. And there's, so one thing I did notice kind of going back at these great picks Devin that Booker. were all around there. Well, yeah, I said Devin Booker. You said it? Okay. Yeah. Um, I've noticed one thing because I was actually looking. One thing I did like about this draft is the guards. I think there's a lot of good guards in this draft. Uh, you know, even all the way, you know, to the end of the first, maybe even the second round. I think there's just uh, like, th- you know, a some guards I like, like Kira Lewis Jr. I was like, oh man, this dude's got top end speed, but he was 165 pounds, but it's been, you know, seven months since college basketball ended. So he's put on 20 pounds and he's 185. So I'm like, oh man, this dude might be like, you know, a real prospect, RJ Hampton, you know. Uh, but one thing I've noticed looking at the past, and I think that's something really important to do in the NBA, is trying to find that superstar in the rough because none of these guys like Kawhi, Giannis were known at the time, obviously because of where they were picked, right. that they were going to be the MVP caliber players or the all-star caliber players that they are. You know, all of them had like uh, something wrong with their game or this or that, too skinny, too whatever. But one thing I did notice, and you can, I'm sure you're looking at it right now, is there is a trend it's either long and athletic or lights out shooter. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything else there. I think the only one case that may be like, eh, is Donovan Mitchell, who's been a great shooter. You know, I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't know what his, I'd have to go look exactly what Donovan Mitchell's knock was. So looking at that, I think that's the kind of guys we need to look at at that range. If they're available, um, cause really where we're at, Jesse, to answer your question is pick best available, man. You know, yeah, always I'm, pick best available. I'm in that boat too. Uh, look, I think if, 
Take you, a shot. If you're sitting here at 13 and you got a guy who has like a high, 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 high ceiling, I mean, just take your shot. I mean, we're pretty loaded down with draft picks for the next couple of years. Um, this is a kind of a weak draft, so if you're going to take a shot in this draft on a guy who may pan out to be, you know, above average to 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 elite, but you know also has a pretty solid floor, I mean, you just got to have to take it, you know. Yeah, no matter if they're guard or whatever, but, yeah. because no matter what we pick, you know, you you draft off a need, you put yourself in a lot more trouble. Because you're limiting yourself. So if we draft a big and the only big available is way worse than what we can get a guard or a forward, then you're just doing yourself a disservice at the end of the day. Yeah, and my and my thing is, no matter who you pick, right, if he turns out to be this elite player, you're going to find a way to put him on the court. I mean, there's no end if, it's about, if or buts about it, you know. So I'm not worried about him getting play in time if he does turn out to be a great player. Um, yeah, I, I best available. See who we get. And and see if he can pan out. Yeah. Obviously, it, it it plays a lot into you know what the coach is going to want, what uh, Langdon and Griffin see in this yeah. guy. But and two things are working in our favor, right? Like picking in that 13, 14 range. Did you see anyone that didn't fit that criteria? I said, as far as that went to an All Star. Oh, I mean, there was a bunch of players that didn't fit the criteria. You talk about in this draft or just the past draft? No, the past drafts. What I'm saying, either long and athletic or lights out shooters. No, that that's that's the trend. That's yeah, pretty that, that's much all that was fixed. But I'm just saying, so like, there's a couple of guys in this draft that fit that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the fact that we're I'm just the yeah, fact that we're sitting in this position, and we pick behind Sacramento. I mean, come on, a good player is gonna a, like Sacramento is gonna miss on a great player, right? And we're gonna hit yeah. him. Mm-hmm. That's what's gonna happen. But uh, yeah. yeah, I agree. And and there's a lot of players that fit that mold that we just don't know what they're going to translate into in the NBA. Yeah, I think guys even like Aaron, you know, Naismith or whatever. He's my lights, favorite. Lights yeah, out yeah. shooter. Um, but got injured. But yeah, like injury issues or like some things that aren't really like, you know, really knocks. Like struggling finishing at the rim. You know who else struggled finishing at the rim? Clay Thompson. Right. <laughs> you know, uh thing you got to look at like what their actual negatives are and if they're negatives that can be fixed right which for players that are long and athletic you can usually fix most of their issues because they got the things that you can't teach yeah i don't know man when is the draft date do we know uh, november date? 17th i want to say so that's going to be probably around so our next month out that's probably going to be our next podcast is talking about the draft and bringing draft, it down. Yeah. yeah, they're they have to decide on the CBA by uh 10:30, I think. Um so as long as everything goes smooth there, which it looks like it will, um just to you know decide how the season's going to play out, then the draft will go ahead and happen on the 17th, which is a month out. Yeah. And uh I'm going to send the invite out to anybody who's getting a PS5, 2K21, starting a league. Is that cross platform? I think, you know, that's a good question. It's going to be like a new game. I know that. It's not the same 2K as the 2K21 out right now. Can I play with you on PC if I get on PC? I don't know. I don't know. know. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's probably our next podcast. And then by then, not only will we have our draft pick, but we'll have our new coach and we'll see the direction that the league's going in. And then the season, right? The the next season rumored to start what? January. January, February. February. January. Yeah. It's looking like January. And from what it looks like, the league is not going to play until they can have in-house seating, which is looking like 
far mm. away for New Orleans. Later so. than February. Yeah. <laughs> Phase two, ma. <laughs> I don't know what the Phase fuck's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Real quick, go ahead and give us a guess on the coach. See how wrong we are in five days. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, the favorite's got to be Stan Van Gundy. So. Is that your choice? No, it's not. I'm okay. going to go with Jamal Mosley. All right, Pick the Jesse? young upcoming. Uh, I, wait, I, wait. Okay, Jamal Mosley. Is there a named assistant? It can be like one we still have. Like, is there like an assistant? A, uh, you don't have to say one. I was just if there. Gary Payton. Gary Payton. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Dude, I just watched a video of Gary Payton like on the sidelines cursing out players as they were like, <laughs> "That's what we need." <laughs> the big three tournament, dude. It's fucking awesome. That's what we need. I mean, like straight up, like telling opponents, like you're fucking weak. That's what we need. <laughs> That's. I want that. So game. I heard that about Jamal Mosley. He backs his players' corners pretty strongly. Yeah, give you me Jamal Mosley. Give me Gary Payton. Oh, I love it. I would love that. Oh, all right, Jesse. I think it's going to be Stan Van Gundy. All right, you got an assistant? No. Okay, I'm gonna agree with Jesse and go Stan Van Gundy and Will Weaver is the assistant coach. That'd be a nice cast. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like he's going to bring somebody. I don't know. It, it could be Will Weaver. Does Will Weaver want to come back, want to come to the NBA to be an assistant, even though he was talking about becoming a head? Well, I mean, it's he's in Australia up. right now. You come, yeah, you become the lead assistant head coach in the NBA, you're a lot better off, I yeah. feel like. And he's from Texas. So, like, he'd be right there. And if you're, like, under an older guy like Van Gundy or – potentially could be the guy that's under the wing you know remember when we thought that was darren urban oh my oh god. my god i met that dude in person by the way i talked to him in person i met him outside the rouses downtown nice guy yeah, he was sweet dude. he was a fucking weird dude <laughs> he like wanted to look you in the eye and he was really short really yeah, short I, dude that's and, why i was like how are you gonna get defensive coaching advice from a guy <laughs> where where is darren <laughs> half now? your height I don't know if he's in the league anymore. Uh, I think he is. I just, I don't think he's like, he definitely is. Cause I, think he, he, I think he's like a, a head coach of a of a G League team, if I'm not mistaken. I'm about to find out. Man, I remember some of, uh, oh, no, wait, you're right. He is actually the head coach of the main Red Claws. Good job. Yeah, I was, I was like, less than I thought, I think he was like head coach of a yeah, G League I team. I remember uh, some, some of our favorite podcasters that we don't get into fights with. Not going <laughs> to name them. Uh, pick Darren Ehrman to be the next head coach of the Pelicans when he was the assistant coach. My thing with him is like you got to just think from a player's level, and we talk about like garnering respect and stuff. I'm sure he had respect of some players and stuff like that. But could you imagine just taking orders from a guy half your height on basketball? I don't, I don't, dude. Like I said, he wasn't impressive when I met him, and I'm six foot. And he and I'm not a basketball player, and I went up and shook uh, his hand, and that's 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 all I'm gonna say. I, and I'm not saying that's the right way to think, but again, like most NBA players are like 24, 25. Like, I don't that's, that's another thing. Since we're such a young team, how do you think Stan Van Gundy translates? I think it's like uh, I think I think he'll translate fine. I think he knows how to deal with young players. That's why you need. That's also why I think JJ Redick and Drew Holiday would be super important to keep around. Yeah, like a veteran I, presence. I don't think it would be a problem for Van Gundy. I think he's got experience with young players, and I also hear people re- 
talk about like development with coaches and stuff like that. Development is a is a total organization Vision. thing. It's yeah. not a head coach's job to develop a player. People, a lot of people, people att- use that so much. A lot of people either. attribute the Nets to just Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, Kenny Atkinson developed in these players. Kenny Atkinson didn't take each player and go, "Hey, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna yeah. develop." You know, he had, a, they had a train set. It's just like the Pelicans this season with um uh name slipping my tongue. Oh, uh, coach. Are you talking Fred about Vincent. Fred, Fred Vincent, Vincent yeah. yeah. Like, Fred Vincent was just in charge of getting Ingram and Lonzo shot. There's so many different pieces and player and coaches and stuff like that that are in charge of development. You know, that comes down to nutritionists. That comes down to training staff. Yep. That comes down to team doctors. All that takes into account. So do not have a head coach be responsible for development because that's not what that's about. They're not good at developing players, Tyler. I yeah, like I, I saw that argument again. with Van Gundy, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, I mean, he developed Dwight Howard. Yeah, if you want to go ahead, and but say, yeah, I agree. I mean, I just think know? I think we have the organizational structure in place that we can develop talent, and yeah. I think I think that goes into who we hire as the head coach that's going to come into play, no matter what, and the assistant coaches that we keep around and hire. So. Right, I don't think that's as high on my checklist as some other. Yeah, people. development. Don't worry about that with coaches. Right. That's a staff thing. That's a organizational piece. Yes, indeed. So draft and coach coming up. Yep. So we'll definitely be talking that sooner than later, probably. Yeah. We'll probably we'll probably jump on the the locker room app and and discuss yeah. the. We'll be on that on Tuesday. What are we doing on Tuesday? <laughs> Uh, probably talking about coaches. Coaches on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. I think well, it's a Western. Well, I think conference we're we're supposed roundup. to do it. Yeah, we're supposed to do a West, Western Conference roundup mm. um, on Tuesday, and I don't think that the Pelicans will have a coach by then. Probably, I not. think they will. I, I think Tuesday so. will be the latest. You find out. Really? Okay. Yeah. Fuck. But yeah, for those of y'all who don't know, we are like the Pelicans representatives for the locker room app, um, and it's basically live chat rooms with other. Um, NBA teams, I guess. Like we, we had a uh, quite a few conversations with other teams on the app live, and we'll tweet out a link. And if you guys want to come and listen to us live and ask questions, uh, feel free to do that. We'll be wrapping up what we saw this past year from the Pelicans and looking into the future a little bit uh, on Tuesday, Tuesday night. Yeah, all right. So I'll see you guys again Tuesday night, and uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely be speaking sooner than later. All right, guys. Later. Later.